Welkom bij het Congresjournaal van het Nederlandse Tijdschrift van Hematologie. In deze podcastserie brengen wij samen met toonaangevende opinieleiders de highlights van internationale medische congressen direct naar uw spreekkamer. In this episode we talk with professor Arnold Kater about venereclax in patients with relapse or refractory chronic lymphocytic leukemia. Stay tuned to be updated within the next 10 minutes and benefit from this regarding the clinical management of your patients with CLL. Good day, Professor Kater. Uh, welcome to this podcast. During the 25th EHA Congress, you presented the outcomes from Venice One, the largest multicenter study evaluating the efficacy of venetoclax monotherapy in patients with relapse or refractory CLL. What was the rationale behind the study? So, thank you very much. So, what we have learned from various studies is that uh, venetoclax-specific inhibitor of BCL2 is an effective treatment for CLL. We have data from different trials. Nowadays, we have actually multiple trials testing venetoclax in combination with specific CD20 antibodies. As of now, what we don't know so well is, first of all, if you include more patients, what is the response and specifically what can you reach on MRD negativity, undetectable MRD with a monotherapy? And a second question is, does the sequence matter? Can you say, although the study was not powered to do so, but we did look at, does it matter if you had uh, only one prior line of treatment or multiple lines of treatment specifically? what happens with venetoclax sensitivity and, and impact of progression-free survival. If you compare patients that have had B-cell receptor inhibitors, so the other big group of targeted therapies, and whether or not there was a difference in patients that have had um, BTK inhibitors and have stopped because of toxicities or because of uh, progression. How was the study uh, set up? So the study set up was a phase 3b study. So it was actually a study where patients in 21 different countries could be included. Key eligibility criteria were that you need to have a relapsed and or refractory CLL. You could be included with or without DEL17P or P53 mutation, and you could be included whether you had or had not been previously treated with a B-cell receptor inhibitor. The design of the study was actually very straightforward. Like all venetoclax studies and also real world, the way we give it is that we started with a five week ramp up, starting with 20 milligram and then ending at a therapeutic dose of 400 milligrams. And then uh, we continued with a fixed duration of monotherapy for two years. And the primary endpoint was a complete response rate, specifically for the B cell receptor inhibitor naive patient group. And secondary endpoints were clinical outcome measures and patient safety. And what were the main findings that you presented during the Congress? First of all, we met our primary uh, endpoint with a complete response rate of 35.1% in the B-cell receptor inhibitor naive patients. Uh, but more importantly, I think uh, overall 32.6% achieved complete remission by week 48 and 33.3 patients had an undetectable MRD at week 48, which I think for monotherapy treatment, it's quite remarkable. Uh, the rest of the things that I think are of interest are to be taken exploratory because the study was not powered to, to really find differences here. But what we did find is that a lower number of prior lines of treatment correlate with increased progression-free survival. And a post hoc analysis of patients who failed brutin tyrosine kinase inhibitor, specifically abrutinib, due to toxicity, had a trend of a greater estimated two year progression free survival with monotherapy, which was 76.2%, than those who failed brutin tyrosine kinase inhibitor therapy, abrutinib again, due to progression, which was a little bit less than 50%. And the last thing is, although the study was not powered to statistically assess changes in MRD, 
what we might think we have found is that the deeper response, uh, meaning actually not only time to the minus four as a as a threshold, but patients that reached lower MRD levels, minus five, minus six, was this clear correlation, we think, with uh, longer progression-free survival. And last thing is safety, where actually there was no new safety signal seen. So what we know already from all the other venetoclax trials is that neutropenia is the most common toxicity, but although grade three and four neutropenias do occur rather frequently, they hardly occur with septic neutropenias or, or severe infections. And what can we conclude from these findings? The question is whether there is a situation where venetoclax single agent is a preferred option above venetoclax combined with a monoclonal antibody. I think most of the times, virtually all maybe, you would start a combination treatment, both in a relapse refractory setting, like the Murano study showed, but also in the first-line setting, like CL14 learned. So in that sense, I don't think this is not a therapy changer, but what we, what I think is more relevant is that also venetoclax monotherapy does have the ability to get patients to an undetectable MRD. And what's also important is that we get the impression that the earlier you give the venetoclax in the in all lines of treatment, the longer, the, the more sustained is the progression-free survival, which is something I think we should remember and think about because a sequencing of therapies, uh, chemotherapy, a targeted agent, and which one to choose is going to be more and more relevant to this disease. And do you think at this point, these results already have an influence on daily clinical practice? I'm not sure. It, it depends a bit. Because at, at one point, most CL patients will need uh, a BTK inhibitor and a BCL2 inhibitor. And until we have proven that the combination of those two drugs are actually the way to go, probably they will be sequenced. So first they will start with either the BTK inhibitor followed a monotherapy for a long period, followed by a BCL2 inhibitor plus an antibody or vice versa. And in that discussion, I think this study helps to determine that maybe waiting too long with venetoclax might actually negatively impact your progression-free survival outcome. And what are the next steps? So, of course, for, for this specific trial, what, what is currently uh, going on is that we collect and, and centrally we assess all the mutation status of those patients, so the most of these receptor mutations. Also, RNA-seq will be performed, and we will probably do also CGHRA to learn about genomic complexity. And with that data, I think we hope to maybe even better define which patients are really the ones that do very good on venetoclax and might indeed get this MRD-negative disease, which might lead to maybe earlier stopping of treatment, although we still have to prove that, and which patient actually venetoclax seems to be less effective, and maybe which patient you should continue venetoclax for a longer time. So I think all those subset analysis that we will, that we are currently doing, I think that might set the stage a bit, both for uh, outside clinical trials, who and how we give venetoclax, but also can inspire maybe new clinical trials to better define which subgroup really profits from which combination the best. Well, thank you for this short summary and thanks for this uh, podcast, Professor Kater. All right, thank you. We hope that this podcast was for you. Check onze website en 2 voor andere interviews in deze serie.